0: The Bards FM Podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Dr. John Diamond. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students, they become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and today is Tuesday, had a look at the calendar, I can't believe it, Tuesday, December 13th in the year 2022, and there's a lot of things happening naturally, but tonight... We have a great interview with Dr. John Diamond, who I met up at the, of the signing of the Covenant or the Covenant event that the Resistance Chicks had up at Plymouth Rock a couple months ago. He runs a daily show in the morning on Brighton TV. He's just a brilliant mind, a man who absolutely loves Jesus. So this is going to be an enjoyable conversation tonight. But we have also, part of this is just to really realize that as a nation we're staring into, in the public view anyway, a nation that's being portrayed to the world as that that is rising in the worship of Satanism. And this is kind of at the core of what he and I are going to talk about tonight. Patriots, one of the things that's absolutely real right now is that we have a mafia running the world. And as part of that, they're gearing up To literally slay everybody's money and make sure everybody is shorted on shorted on food bank of america today actually announced that people need to be prepared to have extreme losses in cryptocurrency the we are seeing the migration of money out of funds Uh, Beyonce pulled out $1.9 billion today out of her funds. So there's a lot of people pulling money out knowing that something very big is coming. Make sure you take good care of your wealth. Patriots, will the lack of red wave during the midterms lead to a more emboldened Biden? More wasteful government spending? Higher taxes? A deepening of inflation? And how do you protect your hard-earned savings from chaotic financial markets? The answer, by diversifying your retirement savings with real physical precious metals with Birch Gold Group. Text BARDS to 989898 for a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax sheltered account. Birch Gold has almost 20 years experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs. Text BARDS to 989898 and claim your free, no obligation info kit now. Don't let the left devalue your savings. Own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account from Birch Gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers. Text BARDS to 989898 and secure your future with gold. Do it today. Check that out, Patriots. Birch Gold. Text 989898 and text the word BARDS. You won't be disappointed. Now, Patriots, I want you to hear this. Before we get started tonight, I want you to hear this report from a local news agency. Well, I'll tell you, this speaks volumes to where we're sitting as a nation.
1: The After School saying Club met for the first time here at Holmes Elementary. This has controversy brewing throughout the school district and the community. I let my kids believe in whatever the hell they want to believe in, as long as they're happy and it's not hurting them or hurting someone else. Christina Long sorts through her kids' bag. Got some pencils and we got a sticker. New school supplies from her kids, new group. The After School Satan Club. Did your kids have fun today? Oh, yeah, they had a blast. They can't wait for the next one. It's sponsored by the Satanic Temple. The after school program is popping up around the nation and in many schools that also give space to Christian groups. In Ohio, there's three. Lebanon, Eton, and now Wilmington. We look to Satan as a symbol for standing up to tyrannical authority. To us, Satan is a symbol. Um, It's like Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy. The new group isn't about conjuring up spells. Instead, June Everett, the after-school Satan club national director, says it's about critical thinking, creative expression, and inclusion. We don't talk about Satanism, um, even though we are non-theistic, meaning we don't believe, again, in a supernatural Satan. Um, We don't talk about, we don't push it on the kids. Playing devil's advocate is Jane Johns. She stands alongside others that question the Satan Club's motives. Well, I think most people are frightened by hearing that. I mean, it, it, that is a little, un, you know, uneasy to take in. Wilmington City Schools released a lengthy statement that reads in part, The after-school Satan Club is not a district or school-sponsored event, and it does not endorse the activities or the intent of the group or any religious groups.
2: I understand that we have to have both You know, if you allow one, you have to allow the other. Um, But, you know, with Satanism, everything's linked to be evil. It's what we've been taught.
1: This sticker was one of many things passed out to kids in their goodie bags this afternoon. And this group will meet once a month. Reporting in Wilmington, Danielle Dindak, WLWT.
0: I don't know where they found that pew marshmallow to interview, but they did a grandiose job of finding somebody that is just a perfect cut it can be easily mirrored onto the weak and feckless movement that people like to call themselves Christian. I don't know if she is or not, but I'm going to tell you, we need the fiery Christians out here, those that are walking with Jesus. And we have a lot of them here in Bard's nation. We know that that's garbage. There is a right and a wrong here. And I'm not about inclusion when it comes to Satan joining us in the kids' schools. Sorry, we don't have to give equal form to any of that. End of story. So this is a real problem. And then, you know, this like, Oh, it makes us afraid. No, it doesn't make me afraid. It makes me want to raise the sort of spirit and like literally waylay this stuff. And that's where we need to be. So the problem we're having right now is that there is this weakness spirit that is attached to so many people in America. They're always afraid of stepping on toes and like, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to offend somebody. And I know I'm supposed to be inclusive, but you know, I don't really want my child to be a furry and I don't want my child to be wearing a doggy mask, but I gotta kinda let them because that's what they want. I mean, this is garbage. We have lost the strength in our spine and we need to get it back. Now, before we jump into the interview, I want you to hear this as well because this comes from Victor Bout. Now, if you don't know who Victor Bout is, he's the merchant of death, the guy that apparently was going to... Cause all sorts of harm to the United States by all the million, the thousands of people that he apparently killed by the weapons trafficking. Except here's a little extra details on Victor Bout because I've been digging on him. I don't know if you know, but we paid him three million dollars in taxpayer money. He also delivered IKEA products in his own planes to Russian citizens. And oh wait a minute, maybe this has something to do with it. He was heavily involved in acquiring technologies to help the Russians' black programs. Huh. So maybe, just maybe, he's not as bad a guy as we think, especially since he was selling arms both to the CIA and to the opposing forces. Yeah, that guy. Take a listen to this comment in this interview. And this is in English, too, by the way. This is the guy that he's so evil. Not only speaks English, he apparently has a little bit of a grasp on scripture.
2: They're losing their Christian values, they're losing their families, they're losing literally their countries. It's not anymore the same country. We knew America who used to be a model for the entire world and lead and be an example, you know, like they say, a shiny town on the, you know, sparkling town on a hill. And this is, of course, pity. It was a strong country who was really a, you know, industrial might, you know, this one. And look, for 30, 40 years, industrialization, drug problem, crime, waves. You can understand. And I feel more empathy to American after this experience than I would feel any hate.
0: More empathy than hate for this country. I feel more empathy than I would feel any hate. And that's in imperfect English. And yet that's a Christian value of the merchant of death. Are you starting to get the picture about how evil our government is? I hope so because this is where we are having a choice we're going to have to make as a people and a choice that we're going to have to make every single day, especially when we know that they're going to try to short us on food and starve us to death. Patriots, if you haven't heard, we're heading into the worst diesel fuel shortage in 70 years. And that's a big problem because if truckers can't get enough fuel, grocery stores could go empty. You need to stock up now on emergency food. Visit mypatriotsupply.com and grab a special offer from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. You'll save 25% on their four-week emergency food kit with a wide variety of breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks that provide over 2,000 calories a day for strength and energy. My Patriot Supply wants to help American families more by charging less. So go to MyPatriotSupply.com and you'll save 25% on their four-week emergency food kit. Order enough to get your family through the difficult times ahead. At least one kit per person in your home. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and grab all the four-week kits you need. MyPatriotSupply.com Patriots, food is security, both mentally and spiritually. And the time to prepare is now mypatriotsupply.com. That's will get your food kits that will last over 20 years on the shelf. You don't want to miss that. So, Patriots, the moment we are at right now is a crossroads or literally the valley of decision. And all of that's going to rest on us as a nation. We have a raging AI push going on, including Elon Musk, the latest hero for the Patriots to rally around to say he's going to save America single-handedly. Whatever. But this other side of us is walking truly within the Holy Spirit and with our walk in Jesus. These are the decisions we now have to make at this juncture. And the only way that's going to happen is if we start stepping forward and leaning in in our relationship with Christ and being forward in our way we walk in this world. So with that, allow me to introduce to you Dr. John Diamond. Well, Patriots, today I'm really honored to have a very special guest. This is Dr. John Diamond. I met him up at the Resistance Chicks event up in Plymouth Rock, and just an amazing man. He's has a daily Bright Tea on TV show that begins at 9 a.m. every day. He is a man of God. He's a former police officer, former security uh, professional in the Air Force, just an, a rich mind and a, and a passion for Jesus, and so we're really excited to have you on. John, how are you?
3: Hey, brother, it's an absolute pleasure to finally be on your show with you, and I I certainly love and appreciate the resistance chicks for putting this together. God's bringing together a lot of like-minded people, so this is is the beginning of something big, I believe.
0: I totally agree. John, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself?
3: Yeah, let me give you the kind of Reader's Digest version. Uh, Born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, 1965, Um, was raised in a... uh, I won't say Christian home. My dad was Catholic. My mom was Lutheran. So it was basically just traditional Christianity. Nobody was born again. Nobody was saved. Christianity wasn't, wasn't the front and the foreman other than, you know, 45 minutes on Sunday morning. I got really into sex, drugs and rock and roll about the age of 12, you know, back in the eighties, the big hair days. And uh, I mean, it was, it was pretty much a train wreck. Uh, My life was, I went in the air force eight years, spent eight years in the security police, um, in the eighty-eighty-three 83 to 90, when I got out, pretty much a full-blown alcoholic, just jumped right back into that whole sex, drugs, rock and roll lifestyle, um, and then realized just how detrimental, you know, that whole thing and that whole message was. So fortunately, my little brother got saved uh, in a little Baptist church and uh, invited me as soon as I got out of the Air Force, um, accepted Christ at 27, uh, wasn't too long after that I was in seminary and spent the next 15 years working towards my master's and my doctorate. I mean, he delivered me from basically everything that can be delivered from, <laughs> from drugs, alcohol to cigarettes, the whole nine yards and, uh, been, been full go since then. So, uh, that's, that's the short of it.
0: And you also are a big proponent of home churches, correct?
3: Yes. I believe the, the, it, the infrastructure that we have today is not only kind of corporate. So, I mean, we could talk about that. Me and the resistance chicks talk about that quite a bit. Uh, The, the pilgrims would be coming unglued if they realized that churches were government churches, because <laughs> that's exactly why they left Europe and to get away from that corporate oversight of the churches. But just from a practical a- application, I was teaching on this Sunday morning from Ephesians 4 you know, and it gives the five-fold ministry, and it says the five-fold ministry is there for equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. I said, today in Christianity, all we really have is pastors training pastors for the work of the ministry. We don't have the five-fold ministry teaching the saints for the work of the ministry. So I don't know what the what the number would be before a church kind of outgrew that model, Um but I mean, it gets to the point that you got four thousand people in your church. Not everybody can serve. Therefore, there's a whole lot of people, you know, who you can't train, who can't, you know, put up their hand and say, "Hey, I'm willing to serve," because there really is no place to serve. But when it's in a smaller, a smaller unit, you know, kind of like even in the military was, is you have a smaller unit. Everybody has a task. Everybody has a duty, and they can all be productive. Today, what we have is, you know, ninety-five percent of the church that goes in and sits there and. 45 minutes on Sunday morning, and that's the extent of their Christianity. That's the extent of their service, so they're not being trained. There are no apostles. There are no teachers. If they are, they're not. <laughs> they're false, um, so yeah, we we need to get back more to the, the community level, um, at the very least, the community level. Home churches, yeah, are great. I would advocate maybe four or five families, um, and I think that's manageable, but once you start getting into the the hundreds, it really is not feasible to live out Christianity as as we're called to.
0: What I would like to dig into begins with your new book, which is We Are Appealing to Heaven, A Cry for Divine Justice. We talked briefly before the show, but this is really timely, which is obviously the way God works. But I've spent a few weeks now quite a number of weeks, discussing these principles of a forgiving heart, a loving heart, and justice, in particular divine justice and earthly justice, but ultimately having to lean into God on this. I'd like to kind of just open that up however you want to start that, especially with you coming from a security forces background and a police officer background. Justice has some very tangible and very visceral realities, as does the need to also have temperance and juggle that place of forgiveness and 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 a loving heart of jesus so wherever you want to begin john i'd just like to start there
3: yeah i mean the word justice i don't even know if i've ever heard one sermon on justice in the new you know in the 30 some years i've been a believer now um it is something that's not really taught very often i mean jesus taught about it in the parable of the persistent widow um but justice is what justice is is essentially there's right and wrong there are laws that prohibit certain behaviors that are detrimental on yourself or on society and that's why government exists if you go to Romans 13 it says that the government does not have the sword in vain to you know to protect the innocent and to to punish the guilty that's that that stuff that Christ taught that stuff that Paul taught it's not really a foreign concept, but the way that it's being accepted today, and, and I think the problem is, is, you know, you get people who graduate and they go to seminary, and then here they are 23, 24, haven't never really lived anything in life, <laughs> and they want to basically be a pastor and give all this great wisdom. But what it's come down to, it's almost like, it's almost like a guy raping a woman. And the and well, you know what? We shouldn't have any laws against rape. You know, it's not right to legislate morality. We just need to pray that God changes His heart. And and I mean, and that's really that what the message is coming out of a lot of Christianity. They don't they don't stop the evil. They don't want any laws against evil. They don't want to prevent the evil when it's happening. And and it really is is what what has caused darkness to basically envelop this nation. When the church has basically withdrawn to the four walls of the church, and we refuse to leave, you know, the four walls of the church and denounce things that God says is evil, that's what true love is, Scott. Because if you go to Romans, what's it say? Let your love be sincere. Detest what is evil. Cling to what is good. True love detests evil. True love doesn't tolerate evil. It doesn't coddle evil. It actually prevents it. It keeps it at arm's length and said it will not happen. And then when it does, it punishes it. And that's what justice is. If you, if, if people don't believe in justice, then get rid of your police departments, get rid of your prisons, get rid of everything dealing with law, and, you know, and then see what type of society you're going to live in. Well, that's kind of where that's kind of where we're at right now. We're in a lawless state because the church has really lost sight of, sight of law and lost sight of judgment.
0: Let's talk a little bit about moral law, because I think one of the challenges that we have right now in our nation, when we go back to the Declaration of Independence in particular, that frames the moral law of our nation, which is ultimately God on the throne above us. And when we're dealing with heavenly moral law and then applying civil law to that, right now we don't really even have a court system that we can call justice. Like you said, the court system is corrupted It's not. It's taken God out of the court, and so we've severed that linkage between the moral and the civil. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, and that exactly happened back when you know separation of church and state. So, two thousand six, I wrote my first book called "Fighting the Next American Revolution," which talks about exactly what you're talking about here: is uh, Psalms two, separating God from government. and That's what Psalms 2 says, right? It's the kings of the earth have rebelled and they conspired together against the Lord and against his Christ. So basically what Psalms 2 says, let us create a separation of church and state. Let us be gods. And then you go to the upper room in Acts chapter 4, what did they pray? They prayed Psalms 2. The kings of the earth have rebelled against you and basically want to create a separation of church and state. So that didn't really come into effect into the early 60s in America. From the time the Mayflower landed, Till separation of church and state in the early 60s, we were a no- moral nation. If God's law said it was wrong, there were laws on all the books. Uh, for example, homosexuality was illegal in every state until the 1960s. Um, so, I mean, I mean, pornography. I mean, you name it. I mean, every everything that was good was was. Lifted up and taught as a as a moral attribute, everything that was evil was flat out denounced. Even sex outside of marriage was just denounced before the 1960s and the sexual revolution. Um, but you can really blame the church for that, Scott, because I I've heard from so many churches, well, we don't have to keep the law anymore under under the New Testament. We don't keep the law anymore, and, and I just went over this in in my in my church. I said, you have to understand because they threw the baby out with the bath water. There were three types of law. There was the moral law, which was 10 commandments and you know right and wrong. There was the civil law, which was punishment for breaking the moral law. And then there was the sacrimon- sacrificial and ceremonial law, which was you know washing hands and sacrificing angels and uh, feast days and Sabbaths and things that I said, when the New Testament came, Jesus said, I, I did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. So what you see it, the moral law is still as you know applicable today as it was back then. He put aside the civil law. In other words, he didn't require the woman to go who was committing adultery to get stoned. That was the civil law. But he told him, go and sin no more. So in other words, quit quit committing adultery, quit breaking the moral law. So we don't have to be circumcised. We don't have to sacrifice animals. We don't have to enact what they what they called in Israel, the civil law, stoning for adultery and all those things. But God's moral law is just as um, um, applicable today as it has ever been. Matter of fact, if you teach we don't have to keep God's moral law anymore, basically you're just saying that sin is not a thing anymore. There is nothing that you can count as a sin. Everything is now lawful. Everything is now legal which is what is coming out of the churches. And what's that result in? Lawlessness. And that's exactly what Jesus said, you know, that lawlessness would abound you know, in, near the end. And it's because the Christian church doesn't teach the law anymore.
0: So let's talk about how this applies in, in the daily life, because one of the things that is really challenging, I think, to so many is we are witnessing a lawless society. You already pointed to that. And we're also witnessing some horrific crimes. And a simple one would be, this child sex trafficking, even the most recent issues is, has surfaced through Balenciaga. How do you talk to people about dealing with the conflict of the emotions, which we're watching something that's viscerally reactive to us? It's the most heinous crime of harming the innocent and, we're, and we're in the non-protection of the, of the little ones. And balancing that with a walk in faith and our commitment to delivering justice and having justice in the land.
3: Yeah, it it's been it's been a long slippery slope, but I just thought on this. Uh two weekends ago at the church when it comes down to sexual immorality. I mean, the Bible says over and over, especially the New Testament, over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and and I can't repeat it enough over and over, that sexual immorality is not even supposed to be named among us, that we're not even to eat with somebody who's sexually immoral. Then In First Corinthians 5, Paul Paul said, remove the immoral brother from you. In in all the writings of Revelation, I mean, I think four, four of the seven churches was you allow these people to teach sexual immorality. So when the sexual revolution started in in the early 60s right after separation of church and state when we when we did psalms 2 basically the christian church had an opportunity right there to put to put that to bed no sex outside of marriage is is the uh, is illegal it's unlawful it's sinful but when the church started pandering to it and you know we want butts in the seat money in the plate we don't want to offend anybody Well, that took place in the 60s, and then the homosexuals started to see it, and they're like, hey, if you guys can do it, we can do it, right? Now you got sexual immorality, and now you got people getting pregnant outside of marriage, and now we need to learn to abort the babies because we really didn't mean to get them pregnant, right? And then all of a sudden, here comes the LBGT plus movement. Um, So we're at the end of it, Scott. I mean, as as, as far as a morality factor is, you can't really get much more debased than we are as a society and again the church that's supposed to be the light and supposed to be the salt and was supposed to go after the root and talk about why this stuff um is so what they're going to do Scott is this they're basically we were the ones who were supposed to uphold justice this is wrong this is unlawful we cannot allow it in our society when we stopped doing that now they're on the offensive. They're saying what you're doing is unlawful and we cannot allow it in society. <laughs> and now that always just leads to persecution. And I think we're on the cusp of that right now.
0: So how do you see them walk forward here? This is a real challenge for so many because we're trying to walk in that path of Christ and that loving path of Christ. But as I talk about regularly, there is also a line of flipping tables as he's shown us and even flipping tables, and he took out the whip, which I don't take as a small event in any way. How do you see this walk forward for us to reclaim that high ground of moral law?
3: Well, we we need to – to me it's education because that's, of course, what my doctorate's in Christian education. My master's is in theology, uh, but my doctorate's in Christian education. And it really is about uh, retraining the minds of the masses, and especially the Christian church. So when I wrote my book in 2006 – and I spent, you know, tens of thousands of not 20, dollars trying to get this out and get the church to wake up. Nobody wanted to listen. So um I ended up just basically giving up and I'm just like, Lord, I'm done. And he's like, no, you're not. This is what I called you. So we had this kind of wrestle with God moment for one entire day. And I said, no, I'm done. I'm not putting any more time or energy or effort into this. And he said, sit down and write every lie that you've ever heard come out of the mouth of a Christian or a pastor, which is basically an excuse why they won't do anything. So, I came up with 12, and it's a a video series that I'm recording over the Christmas holiday called The Twelve Lies, and it encompasses every lie and every excuse that I've heard come out of the mouth of a pastor or a Christian. You can't legislate morality. Um, We have to obey every moral law. America was not founded as a Christian nation. Our founding fathers were deists. We're not supposed to judge Uh, We no longer have to keep God's moral law anymore. All these lies I've turned into about a 15-week series that we're going to be making available to people. And and to me, that's where it starts. I mean, you can just look at the issue of morality. I live here in Pennsylvania, and there was a pornography case back in, uh, I believe it was like 1812. And uh, the guy had pornography in his house, and there was laws against it. And they were like, well, we're doing it in secret, you know? And they're like, well, a lot of things are done in secret. Burglary is done in secret. It doesn't make it lawful. And the conclusion the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania reached, they, they basically said this. They said, um, the argument today is that they're saying that we can't legislate morality. They said every law is a legislation of morality. It just matters what undergirds the legislation. Legislation that deifies man or legislation that deifies God. And that's a Supreme Court case in Pennsylvania in 1817. We need to get back to the we need to get back to the understanding of law and justice as the founders understood it. And uh that's the quickest way we're gonna turn this thing around.
0: And what is that process for you? Because I, I talk a lot about this. I think you and I share it. It's interesting to to hear that you are you've been doing this in your teachings in the last few weeks, which is parallel to what God put on my heart. It's parallel to what a number of other good pastors in this nation and other voices that I know have been doing. So obviously, in my opinion, God is driving home this idea of forgiving heart, loving heart, and justice to understand the importance of resetting all of that. And what too often happens when we talk about these things, we talk pretty big in euphemisms, and we don't really talk about the action of what the process is to empower people to reclaim that high ground, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, not intending to in any way to make you uncomfortable with the with the question, but I, I, if you have some thoughts on this, I would really be interested to hear.
3: Yeah, I mean the 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 problem that we have, and I deal with this is in both of my books, especially the first book, the uh, Fighting the Next American Revolution. We have to understand, I think there's a whole lot more people that agree with us, Scott, than agree with the masses. uh, They just happen to have, uh, you know, the media and the uh, universities and the public schools and Hollywood. They got control of all of the major influencers. Um, And what God showed me in 2006, there's basically like five institutions you got the church and the government. Those are the only two authorities on the planet. But you have three more, the Hollywood, the media, and the schools that have no authority. They can't make you do anything, but they can influence the way you think and the way you see things. That then will influence the church, and it will influence uh it will influence government. So what you, what we're doing um, with, with Brideon, what you're doing here, and we can talk about this a little later in the show with, with the podcast across this nation, the, these are the mountains that we need to take back. The, the entire organization, the entire infrastructure of America is off the rails. I mean, there, you can't point to one institution that is not severely broken, if not apostate. The government, the church, the media, the schools, Hollywood, I mean, it is all flat Off the rails. So I think what we're starting to see since COVID nonsense hit is that people are coming out of that. You know, it says in the revelation, Come out of her, my people, lest you partake of her sins. People are coming out of that, and people like you and people like me, um, the frontline doctors. I mean, people are coming out of that Babylonian system. And now we're putting in place a, a new infrastructure. Um, that I think will lead, lead things back the, the way they need to go. I'm only a part of that. You're a part of that. But again, we get back to what I said at the beginning, Ephesians 4, training the saints for the work of the ministry. Every single occupation in America, when America was founded, was trained by the seminary. I don't care if you were a journalist. I don't care if you were a medical doctor. I don't care if you were a legislator. Everybody went through basically a seminary type of educational worldview, Christian worldview system. Now, what has happened is we've broken this up, and okay, here's a journalism school, and here's a this school, and here's a that school. And that's why we're so fragmented and so disconnected today. We're going to have to get back to that. The church is going to have to be the head, not the tail. That's what we were promised in Deuteronomy 28 that if we keep his commandments, we'll be the head, not the tail. We become the tail, right? And we're being led by a bunch of people that don't know Christ who are spiritually blind. And that's what I tell my church all the time. These people are spiritually blind. If you follow them, like Jesus said, both of you are going to fall off the cliff. So that's what we need. We need to take back the the leadership. The headship is what Christ intended the church to be.
0: And I see that in a couple of ways. I see that one in terms of as education, which you've mentioned, which I think is education informational. So I mean, literally, this is an informational spiritual war to try to really make, build the awareness and to establish what the right and wrong actually is. And the other part is loosely put the evangelism of this, the discipleship to get into the community and to literally enact, interact with people walking with that power and love of Jesus to demonstrate the walk rather than just talk it. I mean, I think that's so important as we tend to see this happen a lot with what I call door-knocking evangelism, where it's literally knock, knock, you're going to go to hell if you don't accept us, that sort of very (laughs) inspirational approach to Jesus, versus getting out and interacting with people, living in the word, walking with Christ, and sharing that love that he literally just gives us in the world as we try to bring people by demonstration to Christ. What's your thoughts?
3: Yeah, exactly. You must have been sitting in my in my church Sunday morning (laughs) because that's exactly what I told him. I said, (coughs) excuse me. I said, we become so self-centered in the church that all we do is basically take care of each other's needs. I don't even know if we do a great job of that. We don't do anything to leave the four walls of the church. I said, so if, if I'm doing my job as a teacher, then I'm training you for the work of the ministry. You go into the workplace. You're speaking the word of Christ out there. You're leading people to Christ out there. Um, you know, we've got ministries that, that are now caring for the poor and caring for the sick. Just like Jesus said, when, you know, when the Son of Man returns, there will be two, two groups, the wheat and the tares, the sheep and the goat, the righteous and the unrighteous. Well, what's he say about the sheep or the goat nations? I was sick and you didn't take care of me. I was you know, hungry and you didn't feed me where we're supposed to be. We've allowed the government to take over everything the church is supposed to be. And that is a very, very dangerous place to be. So one of the things I'm working on right now, um, and, and I'm just announcing this really just because it came up, is a thing called Peacemakers University, which is really just going to be kind of an online Bible college. Um, taking everything that I've learned and come to understand over the last you know thirty years of being a Christian and and putting it out there in in a, in a web format, you know, that people can just go to a website and take the courses and watch the videos and everything else because we've got the technology today that I mean, it shouldn't take anything to revolutionize education, whether it's seminary education, whether it's public school education, you know, we've we've got audio video, everything that we need and we have to abandon we have to abandon the public schools we have to abandon these public and private universities because they evangelize this is what i tell people all the time do you realize the public schools are evangelizing they're evangelizing your children into you know the spirit of antichrist and that's what they do it starts with evolution versus creation you know you you have a you have a youth pastor and this just chafes me more than anything you got a youth pastor you know, who spends 45 minutes talking to kids about Christ and then you stick them in a school for 40 hours a week that basically say your God doesn't exist, the Bible is a lie, your pastor's an idiot, your parents are idiots, you know, and that's where we're at. So I mean that's that's really where it started. I don't I've got four boys, you know that. You you called uh called some people up to pray for them there when we were when we were in Massachusetts together. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna start. With with taking our kids out of the system, taking ourselves out of the system, re-educating ourselves on what we understood for hundreds and hundreds of years in this country. And then, you know, the resistance chicks think that that uh, you know this thing's this thing's probably gonna fall and then we're gonna be the ones that are gonna build build it back on a on a rock rock solid foundation. I, I would tend to agree <laughs> with them because I don't see any of those institutions as redeemable anymore
0: you and I share that and the resistance and chicks and I share that as well. I mean, I think we're collectively seeing this, that there is definitely a rise of the church with the real church as it's happening right now, as you're talking about, as I'm talking about daily, as the resistance chicks talk about, we're getting back to that true relationship in Christ, that true walking in the word. And you said it earlier, which I'd really keyed on, and I loved what you said, is that We're having to, we're reforming this. Each one of us is a part of reforming this new world, which effectively is a breakaway society. I refer to it as Exodus 2.0 loosely, in the sense that we're literally breaking from Babylon. And within this, as we coexist with others, we're literally reshaping the foundations for what the next step is, which requires us to truly dig into the relationship with Christ and to reset these relationships in love, forgiveness, and justice.
3: Yeah. And 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 I and Sunday I told I told him, I said, Do you remember what the apostle Paul or Saul actually at the time Saul said when he got saved on the road to Damascus? What did he say? And I teach us all the time: two most important questions you can ever ask the Lord: Who are you, Lord, and what will you have me do? The first is that intimate daily personal relationship with him, understanding you were created by him and for him for a purpose. Yes, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says we have not been saved by works, but Ephesians 2, 10 says you were saved for works. (laughs) So your works didn't save you, but you were saved for a person. And we're either going to hear well done, good and faithful servant, or we're going to hear depart from me, wicked and lazy servant. So if you just take those things and understand that, I pray that almost every day. All right, here I am, Lord. What do you want me to do? You know, I never want to hear, depart from me wicked and evil servant. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, and, and that's where it really has to start. So it, when every person in a church is praying that prayer, God's going to tell them why <laughs> he created them. You know, do you have a homeless ministry? Do you have this? Do you have what? What? I mean, there's 10,000 things I could probably lay out here, but that's where it really starts. It starts with the relationship you know, you having the relationship with Christ, understanding Him, understanding His character, what He will and will not do, which is so, uh, man, it's so twisted today. It's not even funny. I have people come up to me all the time going, "Well, well God would never do that." I mean, like, what are you talking about? He did it like four hundred times in the Old Testament. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what God you think you're serving here, but it, it it really comes down to that. Who are you, Lord? What will you have me do? If we just get back to that basic understanding then we're going to be off to a good start.
0: Boy, I so agree. One of the things that I, I you just hit on it and I I talk about, it, I'd like to get your comment on it, is that we tend to frame things outside of God very commonly. I mean, when I say that, like, I have a business and then I go to church. My personal opinion is, is we need to start shaping everything in terms of ministry. So no matter what you're doing, whether you are baking as a business or whether you're interacting in the community as a volunteer, whether you're working as a mechanic. I think if we shape that as a form of ministry, everything transforms around us as an extension of what God wants us to do in this world. What are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, you absolutely nailed it. You know, you're, you're a Christian first and then whatever you are second, you know, a plumber, a <laughs> whatever else. And, and I think that's, that's taking a back seat. I think that there's this you know, two kingdom theology that's out there that, you know, well, you've got the kingdom of God. And when we're at church, we, we espouse that. But when we're in the world, we don't bring that into the world. We don't bring that into our workplace. We don't bring that into our school. We don't bring that into our government. So when we've allowed, again, that kind of separation of church and the world, I guess you would say um, that there's your problem right there. I showed them on Sunday morning. I said, "Do you realize when the 12 tribes of Israel, um, were basically formed and created. I said, you know, one tribe did not receive an inheritance and that was the tribe of Levi. Levites were the ones that stood with Moses when when you had the golden calf scenario. And I said, but they were given they were given cities in all of the other 12 tribes. Ephraim and Manasseh were actually given a two part uh, from Joseph. I said, why did God do that? I said because God wanted the Levites in every of the of the territories. In every city and every territory he wanted the levites there he wanted god's law there he wanted god's word there he didn't create one little levite tribe (laughs) that would be this religious tribe and then everybody else a bunch of secular heathens um that's exactly that's exactly the same principle that we're dealing with in the world i mean i look at my little town here and it's not very big and you probably got 30 churches and, and all right, well, good. What are they doing? Nothing. <laughs> if they're not leaving the four walls of the church, and they're not talking about morality, um, uh, even Thomas Paine, when he wrote Common Sense, he said that the Christian church is here to watch over the morality of a nation. That is our job. That's not the government's job. That's not the Supreme Court's job. God, the laws of nature and nature's God outranks the Supreme Court It outranks the president. And we're supposed to be the ones. We're supposed to be the ambassadors that are telling them that and if we would do that then we'd be off to a, a pretty good start in, in that area
0: let's talk about your new book and i am really interested to hear tell us a little bit about this
3: so um to the, i said 2006 i wrote my first book um went on 10 years and you know nobody's listening nobody nobody's doing anything so um, in 2012, I was praying second chronicles 714. If my people will humble themselves and pray. Well, I got to the point where it said pray, and I realized that all that scripture is telling me to do is pray. It's not telling me what to pray. And that's that's when it really hit me. I was like, wait a minute, what is wrong and how do you fix it? That that's exactly what I began to pray about. Okay, Lord, yes, we know the nation's in trouble. What is wrong and how do you fix it? And that's when he led me to Psalms two. The, the problem with the world is, and it pretty much always has been, is the government rebelling against God. It's the spirit of Antichrist. So when you in, in my book, I've got an entire chapter called The Divine Chain of Command. Um, back before man was created, there was a divine chain of command. You had God, the archangels, and the angels. Well, guess what? One archangel, Lucifer, decided to re- rebel against God's authority and led a third of the angels with him. And that that is the satanic delusion, is that you can be God. So then you go to the Garden of Eden. what was the very first thing. (laughs) You will be like the Most High God. So what you have is is these two theologies, these two competing kind of worldviews that either you deify God or you deify man because that's what Satan wants you to do. He don't want you to look at him. He just wants you to deify yourself that way you get to the true understanding of Romans 13 that all authority comes from God and anything that that strays from that authority is really the spirit of antichrist and we see it uh, Scott right through the through the old testament uh, you know i open up by telling people there there are two groups of people the children of god and the children of the devil and and people don't like to hear that christian folk don't like to hear that you know cuz Oh God loves everybody and we're all God's children. I'm like, "No, Jesus, Jesus told the Pharisees, you're of your father the devil." And they're like, "Well, if we lived in the days of our father, we wouldn't have killed the prophets." He's like, "Dude, you're testifying against yourself that you're not the children of the prophets, you're children of the people who killed the prophets." So you can follow those two genealogies right from the garden of Eden. When when he said, "Your your seed will have enmity with their seed." You had Cain killed Abel because they, he was righteous. And his brother was wicked you had every prophet that god ever sent through the old testament killed by the children of the devil then they killed jesus then they killed the apostles and then stephen got up and gave them the history of <laughs> the history of the world and said now you've just killed the guy the prophet said we're coming so we're seeing that manifest itself today Scott. it it really shouldn't surprise us if you're theologically in tune with what the word says that there there will be a polarization and when Christ returns, there will be the separating of the sheep and the goat, the, the wheat and the tares, the righteous and the unrighteous. So we need to try to be saving as many people from the fire as we possibly can, because the, Satan has deceived a lot of people. And if you saw my heard my testimony at the beginning, I was one of them people. I was walking with both feet right in the kingdom of darkness and was proud of it and would promote it but I was blind. when once somebody finally told me the truth and shared the truth with me, that's when I was basically converted into the right kingdom. And that ultimately is our function.
0: I just love, love the way you're saying that because that's so true. I mean, once you're converted in, you're just on fire for the kingdom, which is absolutely fantastic. I want to talk a little bit about your event in September and, and a little bit about what we're doing here. Cause I think this will be good news for Patriots. Obviously you and I had a brief chat beforehand on an initiative this year in 2023 to set up at least 500 county-based podcasters. The the objective is to set these up so that the news is local, that everything that is related ultimately comes down to local. So there can be, if you're gonna talk about a national story, it has to be connected to a local impact. But the idea is to really focus on county-level news and to put it through a biblical lens And this other part of the simple framing is that every show is going to need to end with a prayer. There's a lot of pieces about that that we're starting to assemble, and that's going to be a big push in January. But I'm really inspired by what you've already got in place and the extension of offer to help promote this. So let's talk a little bit about what you're doing in September and then how we can start coming together here to make this a bigger effort to get more county-based podcasts going.
3: Yeah. I mean, I definitely see this as a strategic partnership for too many, for too many years that, you know, everybody's been in their own little silos and that's a word the Lord spoke to me a few years back. He said, we need strategic partnerships. Um, so um, there's an event every year, content film festival. Um, it's it's la- labeled by the year. So it's content 2021, content 2022. And I went down for a couple years and the director, Tim shoots, uh, called me up and he's like, what can we do better? And I said, well, you call yourself a media uh, summit, but there's no media. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, When I think of media, I think of journalism, you know, and you've got documentaries and filmmakers and a whole lot of other stuff, but there, and he's like, man, I absolutely love that. He said, why don't you take that over and run that? So for the last three, four years, that's exactly what I've been doing. We've been holding a News and Journalism Day as a part of the bigger conference. Uh, we've had Josh Phillips from the Epoch Times down there, Eric Shiner from uh, Media Research Center. Um, quite a few of the Brideon uh, people have been down there either as uh, uh, workshop teachers or as keynote speakers. And it really is taking off. So uh, it was held at Capernaum Studios which is where they filmed season one of The Chosen, uh, working studio set, beautiful place down there, run by Tammy Lane. Well, it is basically outgrown, it, it's outgrown itself. And I think the media part of it is, is what has done it because you have, you, know, you have filmmakers and screenplay writers and everybody else. But this news and journalism thing is really starting to take off because you have so many people wanting to do podcasts and video podcasts. So it has grown in a mega church. When I, we talked about a mega church, a huge church in uh, in Houston reached out and said, Look, you guys have outgrown that studio. Why don't you come and hold it um, here at our location? So that's exactly what we're doing at the Ark Church down in I think it's Conroe, Texas, outside outside of Houston. Um, And this thing is going to be able to hold a ton of people. Uh, We're going to have master classes, teaching people how to set up a studio like you would see uh, my studio on America Unhinged every morning, uh, whether it's just a podcast, and that's where we would welcome your expertise. But we're just trying to draw together all these experts who will help train the saints for the work of the ministry, just like Ephesians 4 tells us we're supposed to be doing.
0: I do see a really important strategic partnership here. And we will talk more about that as we move forward, for sure. Because I think it's really critical that we, I mean, this whole thing was put on my heart by God. And it's, it's no surprise that you would talk to me about somebody who related to you, which is wonderful, and truly to try to mobilize that ground effort to where we're starting to put focus again on the local areas in which we live and to highlight that in terms of news and information, and also the importance of framing things through a biblical lens. And as we continue to work that and train that, I think that we are really empowering the ministry at the most ground level and the most important ground level for all of this, so that people can be energized, empowered, drawn to the Lord, awakened, however many different adjectives we want to put to that. But it's something that I find is, I think that God has identified as he does perfectly, that this is one of the great gaps in understanding how we move forward. We're so quick to always look at the strategic and we're so remiss at focusing on the local. And I think that's one of the true gifts that God is giving us here is to get our focus back to the most important, which is daily breaking bread and interacting in our community in the many different ways we do.
3: Yeah, and ev- everything has to be grassroots. So whether we're even talking about just a, you know, a home church a, a grassroots, you know, effort there, everything has to be grassroots because if we expect it to come from the top down, then the the enemy realizes that if it's it's top down controlled, then all you, you got to do is get control of the top, whether it's a denomination, whether it's a church, whether it's a media outlet whatever it is, you get control of that, you control everybody down down the stream so to speak but if everything is a grassroots movement they can't come in and control all the individual people which is really the way I think God intended it to begin with all the early churches were you know home churches and uh, you know they met in their homes that's what it says the whole way through the through the New Testament um we, we need we need to start breaking away and I think that's going to end up happening. Um, once the people start praying exactly what I said, who are you, Lord, and what would you would have me do? When I moved to Pennsylvania from Ohio, me and my wife found a church that we that we liked. And we said, well, why don't we join there? So we met with the pastor. And I said, hey, look, I'm, we're not pew sitters. We, you know, our Christianity is not 45 minutes. I said, I've got, you know, all these theological degrees, you know, I, I, I'm not coming, asking to come on staff. I'm not asking to be paid. But, you know, I teach, I can do small groups. My wife has degrees in music. She, you know, is on praise and worship team. And they're like, well, we really don't need anybody in those areas. And I'm like, well, thank you. And we never went back because I realized I'm going to stand before almighty God and give an account for whether or not I use my gift times and talents to advance the kingdom of God. And I'm sure there's got to be churches out there somewhere that would use us. So when you have more people at the grassroots level who are willing to be used and you've got the the ownership of the church who won't use you, find another church, start your own church. <laughs> you know, I mean, whatever we got to do to be active for the kingdom of God, we have to do because we we are going to hear well done, good and faithful servant or depart from me, wicked and lazy servant. Those are the only two verdicts that are ever put down at the judgment seat.
0: Well, I so agree. John, where can people find you? I'm, I know you're on Brighton and your website. So talk a little bit about that, please.
3: Uh, yeah, Bridey on TV. Mine is the first show every day they have me on there because I am more, you know, faith-based media rather than just, you know, people who are just reporting the news or the the jabs or other things. So mine's the first one on there. I, I open up with a scripture verse every day. Um, you can go to my website, which is AmericaUnhingedRadio.com. Um, And on there, I have the Appeal to Heaven book. We've just put it on there for free. You can download the PDF. You can listen to the audio book. Um, This is too important to try to monetize. So, you know, we want as many people to download this book and listen to it and share it in your, because there's a ton of theological truths in this book. I mean, you could use this and teach it for six months in your church easily, you know, on a Sunday night or a Wednesday. So we're making this available to everybody for free. Um, And then I've got a video on there um, that me and Dr. Alan Keyes did. And then another one on the media, just to help you understand how bad the media is um, and and the need for what you're doing and what I'm doing.
0: So, John, in these books, your two books, what's basically the age level to start? Because what I'm thinking is we're also people are always looking for homeschooling resources is this going to be something that would be more of a teenage and up, or could it be used as a as a way to teach even younger children?
3: It, it's It first has to start with the parents because the parents have been so brainwashed into not understanding things. Um, I would say um, the, the parents read it and the parents understand these truths. They can teach it to their children. But I would say anybody at least eighth grade or up should be okay with it. Here's something that I did. Um, and I think this, this is why God called me because He's He's taken me. He's given me a, a a good enough brain to understand complex issues, but to break it down into more simplified things that others could understand. Um, and I did a, I did a thing one time where I copy and pasted the entire sermon of the mount into a word document, and then went up on the the toolbar and hit age level, and it said 8.2. And I was like, you know, the Bible was written for people in eighth grade. You know, people don't receive a junior version of the Holy Spirit. They receive the same Holy Spirit everybody else does. So once a person is in eight, a child is in eighth grade, I believe that they're capable of understanding all the truth that any of us, the rest of us are. Um, so I would definitely say by the time a person's seventh, eighth grade, they, they certainly ought to be able to, to comprehend, especially if they're filled with the Holy Spirit and he opens their eyes.
0: Yeah that's fantastic. Well John we always close with a prayer and I would like to in- invite you to lead the prayer today.
3: Yeah no that's that's great. I appreciate appreciate you having me on. Um uh one of the things that the book is about is imprecatory prayer which is something that doesn't get talked about too often time but it's basically just calling God in. And that's really what we that's really what we need today. We need to be we need to be calling God in and not um you know the 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 prayers are, are like Lord, bust them in the mouth. Lord, break the arm of the wicked. Lord, break the teeth off the ungodly. I mean, there's 25 imprecatory psalms in 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 the book of Psalms. 25. So it's not a little <laughs> a, a little thing. But uh, what I do in the book is I actually have a prayer card. Uh, and you can go to appealingtoheaven.org, and you can actually find the the prayer card on there that we're trying to get everybody to kind of pray this, this unified prayer. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and pray. Ask people to go to appealingtoheaven.org. That's one of the websites that we can do. So let me close in prayer. Uh, Father, we just thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you that you are still a Lord of Justice. And that Jesus taught in the parable of the persistent widow that if we continue to come to the supreme judge of the universe, that we will receive justice for those who try to oppress us. So so whether it's in the medical industry, whether it's in the government industry, wherever it is, that you are the God of justice. We are not to avenge ourselves, but you taught very clearly. You said that when the Son of Man returns, will I really find faith on the earth? So we just pray that your righteous judgment would be poured out upon this earth. That, that we would show the love and the mercy and compassion of Christ. But at the same time, we do not put up with and tolerate those things that you say are evil and we'll give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, John. That's awesome. So again, your, your website,
3: uh, appealing to heaven.org is just the book, but my brighty site is America unhinged That's where you're going to find most of the stuff.
0: That's awesome. John, it's been a pleasure having you on today. It's always great to talk and really was great to see you and meet you up at the Resistance Chicks events, the Covenant. And I do look forward to talking to you a great deal more about this event in September, which is we, that will start to take shape here in the next month or so. So we'll pin down some specifics and be able to share that and kind of move that event forward.
3: Yeah. And I'm going to have an entire news and journalism week on my show, which is I do that sometimes sometimes. Uh, and we'll have you on to talk about what you're doing. We'll have one entire week dedicated to raising up, you know, raising up the saints for the work of the ministry.
0: That's fantastic. Well, John, I hope you have a very blessed day. Thank you again. It's awesome. Awesome conversation. Look forward to working with you this year.
3: Absolutely. God bless. I appreciate you having me on the program today.
0: You bet. God bless you, man. Talk to you soon. So Patriots, that was Dr. John Diamond. and. Really great guy. Really enjoyed um, talking to him, meeting him up at the Resistance Chicks event, and also this great interview here. There's been a lot of questions about sign-ups and so forth about the radio, or I'm sorry, the podcasting, county-by-county podcasting program. We're going to set up an actual sign-up on the website, so don't worry. Uh, No one's going to get missed or lost. We're just, I'm letting people know now and trying to, we're building a really good network of support podcasters that are going to be part of this and uh, a lot of good voices and and good wisdom that's going to be coming to this. And we're going to make those interviews a focal point for a lot of January. We're going to have the event in, we'll be part of this event here that Dr. John Diamond's talking about. That's going to be in Houston I'm also working, I've already talked to and and set a tentative date in June for another event in Yuba City at Glad Tidings Church, and we're going to work around to have a number of national uh, events where people can come, see the speakers, talk, and, and engage in learning about podcasting and to really building out this message from a ground level for the fight to take back this nation in the name of the Holy Spirit and our loving Savior, Jesus. So we're going to literally like do some smackdown on the uh, children of the devil. I'm not going to handle that much more. I can't handle it much more. <laughs> By the way, just so I say it, if you're a furry, sorry, you're not allowed. You're going to be rejected at the door. So just, just keeping it real here because we are... We're going to be God-loving patriots in this event. No furries. All right, patriots. Hey, thank you for being here tonight. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy it can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver god's wrath. Just remember how fierce your enemy is.. <laughs> Chihuahuas.